Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, uh, this week on CarCast, we're going to have our buddy Alistair Weaver back on the show from Edmunds.com. He's going to talk about sort of the end of year results, the top cars that they have in their category. So excited about getting into that. Before we get started, uh, a word from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power has ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. So they got number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. And with enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder these guys are doing it. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. So see your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Bill Goldberg is not here today. We're going to miss the big guy, but he's uh, he's off filming. He's... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's a secret. I think he's doing another episode of the Goldbergs. And uh, uh, he, I said, "Hey, man, how's it? Uh, how's it going over there at the at the Goldbergs?" And he sent me, he sent me a note back, and he said, uh, "Let me find it here. I know I got it in my in my email somewhere." At least you've come prepared, Matt. Yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I got it. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, <laughs> how is it to be back on the set? And uh, how's the show? Because it's a, it's a great comedy. And he's like, well, my first line today was, eat my sack. <laughs> so I don't know what they're trying to do, what they're trying to put him in, uh, what the what they're setting him up for but it sounds like he's gonna have some fun but unfortunately we kind of knew as uh we teased last week that he was going to be uh he was going to be doing that and he wasn't sure when his call time was going to be but it's now so we've got our buddy alistair weaver back in how you doing i'm good thanks matt i'm very good how are you uh i'm doing well thank you been driving a lot of cars uh you as well we did mach e and then i had this sort of mclaren week because i got a little jealous of your 765 reports so i drove the uh, mclaren gt the 765 and the senna 
And uh, yeah, that so was a tough week then. Basically, that was a, that was a lovely week uh, last week, and then uh, uh, now I'm back to to, to driving the truck. Um, before we get started, a little update on the truck. As you guys saw, some of my some of my Instagram posts. Uh, we cracked into the new engine, so I've got that new Dart uh, uh, 427. Uh, engine that's going into it. It's all aluminum, uh, which is going to be a huge weight savings, should significantly increase the performance, not just horsepower, obviously, but the weight savings between going from that 351 iron block, iron heads to aluminum block, aluminum heads, block weighs like 93 pounds, which has got to be like 100 or so less than the iron block. So I'm starting to build that. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. I'll I'll post more images of it. But um, we got some uh, interesting stuff for from Edmonds. Before we get started, a, a word from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle. And now Dodge has, uh, has been ranked number one for initial quality by J.D. Power. And uh, J.D. Power has also named them the best driver appeal for mass market brands. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. All right, Alistair, end of the year. All the fun stuff you've been doing, all the reviews, it's coming to a head, and here we are. You guys are getting ready to announce all of the best of the best, what you guys love the most, what people should buy, right? Right. (laughs) You sound like, I don't know whether you're trying to do your Michael Buffer impression there. (laughs) Right. Um no, this is exciting. Everybody does kind of their end of the year list and kind of who won and and just sort of what your thoughts on are. What are the best cars and SUVs and stuff? So, um, why don't you start a little bit about? Uh, I guess what it takes to become the best, uh, you know, for the year, um, and how does that apply? Because you know, if you say something like, uh, you know, for example. Everything that has to be on the list has to be new for the year. There, there's not like a carryover. No, that's yeah, that's the big distinction for us. So we took the view. I mean, there are you're right. There are plenty of awards out there, but we wanted to do something different and actually really represent excellence. And one of the challenges is if you do, if you just announce a, a winner of the best car that happened come out this year, if you're not careful, you sort of twist yourself up in knots because really it, it, it's it's all dependent on what's new. So you might end up awarding a vehicle that actually isn't the best in its class. And actually, that happens a lot with awards programs that run in that way. So what we've said is somewhat different. What we're saying is we divided the market up into eight categories, SUVs, trucks, EVs, sports cars, and basically said, these are the best vehicles you can buy today, period, irrespective of when they were launched. So that means that we can and we, we do have repeat winners. But it also means that you don't end up in a world where you say, you know, the Corvette was new last year, for example, where we don't give it to a another sports car that simply came out this year, but but in our opinion is is less able than the than the C eight, for example. So we think as a as a consumer orientated site, we think that makes a lot more sense. We're actually just rewarding the best of the best, as you said. Okay. What uh where do you want to start? Let's let's go through some of it. Tell us what's uh, what's going on. You sent me uh, a, a glimpse of of the list, and and you're right. There's there's some vehicles on there that are that are considered the best, but they've been out for a little while. But also that probably means 
they've worked out some bugs along the way. That's the other thing is you get a new vehicle out and you're like, this is probably the best new vehicle, but not the best in the category yet. Yeah, and and what we where, where we are with it basically is is if I look at if I look at the list, we've got uh, three repeat winners and are out of the eight categories. So the Kia Telluride's a, a repeat winner. I mean, Kia's just done an incredible job for the money with that vehicle. Uh, Mercedes Benz GLE. There's simply no luxury SUV that came out that that topped it this year. Uh, and frankly, Mercedes is leading the way. We love the Defender, um, and obviously that was a that was a contender. But the GLE is just such a great all-round package. Uh, Corvette won again. Um, base entry-level 911 came out this year, and that was, you know, that that was hugely impressive. But you know, for the money, for what it delivers, for the money, the Corvette's the the obvious choice. Um, and then in the the normal EV class, Tesla Model Three uh, won again. I mean, it's actually had a price reduction this year, and it's about to have some subtle upgrades. And you know, it's just a it's just a great all-rounder. So what's new, I guess, is the bigger um, is, is the bigger day. Should we start with one of the more more controversial ones? So yeah, because I already have questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, and I, my my tw- I'm be- it's a we had um we introduced for the first time this year a luxury EV cat- category. So last year we had seven categories. This year we've got eight, and that's just really reflecting the changes in the market. That the market's growing really fast. And we looked at it and said, well, actually, we need to set the barrier somewhere. And a lot of the time we look at luxury in terms of branding and pitch and that kind of thing. But in the EV space, it's right above four, the average transaction price is around $40,000 at the moment, just under. So we said, OK, $40,000 is our cutoff. So that's a starting MSRP. So really, the choice uh, for full transparency, the choice came down to two cars, the Taycan and the uh, Mustang Mackie. And we managed to get a Mustang Mackie for for full testing, uh, put it through our test track, put it through our EV range loop, uh, just basically just before we had to, to make the final decision. And we were really impressed with it. And, you know, we're getting a little bit of, oh, is it a luxury vehicle? Is it not? Well, you know, the sweet spot of the range is in the mid $50,000. It's all right. The vehicle we had on test is $56,000. And when you think that its rivals are the Polestar 2 and the Tesla Model Y, then clearly it sat, sits in that company. So we think it's it's absolutely a worthy winner of the um of the luxury tag and it's strange yesterday i was getting vilified on twitter for describing uh, a fifty six thousand dollar car as reasonably affordable mm-hmm. and at the same time being vilified on twitter for saying that it's a luxury vehicle so it's like i mean it's the same price as a mccann so um it, it's a weird world out there I'll come on to some other Twitter abuse in a minute but but that was the uh, that was the th- <laughs> that was the thrust of yesterday yeah so i was i was my my questions were, and you answered them, were the thresholds of what defines luxury. It's not really about brand so much as you guys needed to make a a a, a price point determination for it. Uh, but in the in that in that EV class, and I, and I think going forwards, we may well, you know, as as the market develops, we may have to evolve our thinking. But but yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's tough across the market. You can get an eighty thousand dollar F one fifty. You know, is that a luxury vehicle? It's but we have to draw the line somewhere, and we feel 100% confident about our choice. And the the Tesla Model 3, you said, was the winner of the non-luxury EV. But what is the average price of, of, a, of a Model 3? Well, we've actually been reasonably specific in – generally speaking, the, the awards are for the model rather than the variant. 
But I think we've always been pretty explicit with the Model 3 that we believe the standard range plus is, you know, the best all round buy. Um, and that's $37,000. And yes, you can go up to the performance and every, yeah, everything yeah. else. But, the, you know, the, the heart of that range is 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 $37,000. That's the one that sells. And, and our opinion, you know, it's the one I own. And frankly, it's it's all you need, really. Okay, so the Model Three does come pretty well equipped for under forty thousand bucks when you're when you're done. Whereas the the Mustang Mach E that we learned basically starts at about forty thousand dollars and and kind of goes uh, up forty three, I think, yeah, and, yeah, forty three, forty four. But you, you're probably spending into the fifties to get like you know the long range with the all wheel drive and that sort of thing. And that's before we get into a GT model, which they haven't released yet. That's going to be maybe another eight or nine months away. Uh, and their GT uh, performance, so th- the range is going to be somewhere from forty-three to probably seventy thousand. It- yes, and at the moment they get a federal tax credit simply because they haven't sold that many EVs. So at the moment you can get seven and a half thousand dollars off through your tax return, but that will run out probably within the next year. So for those who don't know this, it, it, it was to incentivize manufacturers to make EVs, and you got a a seven and a half thousand dollar grant basically up to a certain n- number of EVs sold, which Tesla passed ages ago. So did GM, Nissan, but Ford hasn't because it's late to the market. So they have this kind of advantage. It's a, it's a weird thing because it's kind of a late mover advantage, but whatever the um, philosophy behind it, it's a, it's a clear bonus for the next year. Right. Well, yeah, that ultimately for, I think for, for, for the customer, because anybody that wasn't on the EV bandwagon initially and that didn't take advantage of those 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 grants, if you will, can sort of start that over with with Ford. Uh, anyway, thoughts on the uh, on the Mustang Mach-E. Now that you guys put it on your test track, I bring it up just because I I drove it this week as well, and uh, and I, I I read one review out there where. I don't know. It seems like most people have a pretty good idea of what it is that Ford's doing with it and similar thoughts on the vehicle. And then I don't remember who wrote it. I think it was up on TechCrunch. And I'm not saying this is a TechCrunch thing. Uh, It just could be whoever is contributing the car reviews. Uh, That dude like absolutely hated it. And and. I read the review and I was like, I, I don't know if you're the one you're driving was broken or you're on terrible roads or 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 do you know anything about testing cars or just I don't know. But I, maybe they just, just want to be contrary. I, I guess so. I mean, it it it, it wasn't here in an LA, in L.A. It wasn't part of the I, I think they just got access to one of them through Ford through uh, in Michigan. And I don't know if it was you know when it happened or what the what the situation was around it but um just a lot of things that they talked about as far as ride quality and and stuff didn't wasn't reflected in and what i experienced with the vehicle and most people <laughs> throughout the day that i interacted with uh but anyway you guys you guys hit the test track i could give my opinion on it and i could say that i like it and 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 whatnot, but you guys put it on the test track and obviously gave it an award. But tell us about it. What are your thoughts on the Mach-E? So it was a long. I mean, when you think about the journey this car's been on, I mean, I went to as I we 
uh, on our YouTube channel at the moment, or indeed on our site, there's a the, there's the film I actually presented about the about the Mackie, and it's a sort of ten minute first drive. You know, it was a year ago that I went to Detroit to to look at it in a studio, and then it got delayed and delayed by the pandemic. But it's it's finally arriving now, and we had an early car which managed to put through our, our test process. It's a good thing. I mean, there's a few little things in, in the software and things like that, which they're probably going to improve with with over the air updates. Uh, the braking performance in terms of the way the pedal feels and that sort of thing is a little bit odd. But to be honest, you drive it as a one pedal car, by which I mean, when you lift off the throttle, it brings in regenerative braking. So you rarely touch the brakes. I think they've done a really good job. I think they've they've obviously had the Teslas as a bit of a benchmark. And they've taken what Tesla does well and then reintroduce a little bit of old world stuff like proper switches for air vents and mm-hmm. glove boxes that open on a handle, which, you know, you can't, everybody says, oh, that's old school. But actually, I quite like moving the air vent with a, with a, a plastic switch instead of having to dig into menus. Um, and the main thing is it drives well. It really does drive well on the track. I mean, you know, how many people are going to slide it around? But you can, it's actually really adjustable. You know, it feels, I'd say it feels like a Mustang. It's not a rear drive coupe, but it's, but, but you can, it is quite adjustable. And because in the model that we drove, which is, it's going to be different in the GT. In the GT, both motors are going to be the same size. But in the, in the long range premium that we had, the motor at the rear is, is actually bigger. And the way the software is set up, it feels more like a rear wheel drive car than, uh, than an all wheel drive car. You actually, if you lift off the throttle, there's quite a lot of adjustability. You can tuck the nose in. It'll move around a little bit. It's really fun to drive. And unlike the Tesla, they've managed to combine that with a decent ride quality. I mean, we have the um, Model Y performance performance, which is kind of at the extreme, but the ride quality is abysmal. Whereas in the Mustang, it feels fairly sporting, but it's, it's, much, it's a much more comfortable everyday car. Um, so there's there's so much to like about it. There's not quite as much space or as much trunk capacity as there is in a Tesla, uh, but it's still pretty spacious inside. The software, I like the way the interface works. You've got things like Apple CarPlay that you don't in the Tesla. You know, they've I think they've done a really good job. And and the whole thing was developed by a a small team within Ford. That was called Team Edison. It wasn't developed by you know the kind of big corporate machine and i think i think you can tell it feels like a bit like ford's performance products are you know yeah. they're developed by a small team hugely hugely committed not that the everybody else in the company isn't but it's a slightly different ethos they're given a bit more license to try stuff and experiment and you know i think they've done a terrific job what are your thoughts on ford be able being able to to, to kind of nail this on the first try. Now, understandably, almost every car that comes out and it's a ground up, you know, clean sheet design, even Corvette C8, it, it gets out there. And then once, you know, 10,000 people are driving it, they start to see these flaws start to pop up and this needs to be fixed or this is a recall or this is whatever. This is so groundbreaking for somebody like Ford uh, you know, I th- this this group that you're talking about that's developing EVs for Ford, although it's sort of a small group, but it's 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 a very well funded group. It's an eleven and a half billion dollar budget group, and they they have like transit uh, EV vans, and they have this you know the Mach E, and they're going to getting in, into the SUV market. But what are the chances that uh, this is going to be? I, I don't know that anything's flawless, but as close to working the way it should from from the starting line. Well, 
you're quite right that it is sort of a bold new territory. And the big difference, Ford has made EVs before. They did the electric Focus. But even by their own admission, that was basically taking a Focus and dropping, taking the engine out and dropping a motor in. Yeah. So it's kind of like what they're doing with classic cars today. But this is totally different. This is a ground-up electric car, um, which is which is really interesting. And it seems amazing to me that even two or three years ago, before they started the Mustang, they weren't going to do this. I mean, just extraordinary then they had a change of ceo and and suddenly they uh, decided to commit to it um the big thing in its favor is that there's over the air software updates and we're seeing this on pretty much i think every significant new model that comes out in the next two or three years is going to have over the air updates and these things are so controlled by software and i don't just mean carplay and you know that the hi-fi, I mean, you know, the braking performance, the range. I mean, we've seen this from Tesla that they can fire out a, a, a download and suddenly you've got a you've got a bit more power or you've got a bit more range or you've got a new game within the the um, the touchscreen. Mm-hmm. So Ford's really going to make hay with this. And what it does give you is a bit more license. So instead of everything having to be a, a recall or a trip to the dealer, you know, you can fire out an update and, and correct things on the fly. So I think that will make a, a difference. I think the other thing is it is Ford's first crack at this, proper crack at this, but it's not necessarily the supplier's first crack at this. You know, and you have to okay, remember yeah. that what, yeah. what what manufacturers do is really manufacturers design and assemble vehicles, and what then they work with suppliers to actually build them and you know provide them. So, you know, it's it's, it's often something that's missed. They don't build anything as such they assemble stuff so you know the batteries the tires all those the brakes all those bits and pieces are you know from proven suppliers who've got got plenty of experience now you've you've been here on the show many times in the past and said your thought is still to to lease an ev instead of buying it are you still on board with that i am the way ford does it is a little bit different um the, the way they do it through like their own internal internal scheme, which isn't always because it makes it slightly more complicated in getting the grant back. I don't know whether actually they're going to change that, but that was how they set it up originally. Um, so that's one mark against the, the marquee, really. I am just because I think the technology moves on so fast. I mean, even from my personal experience, I had a I first arrived in L.A., we leased a BMW i3 for my wife. And, you know, two years later, at the end of the lease, BMW put that straight out to auction. And I had a conversation with them at, at the dealership. And I said, you know, what, are you going to put it on the forecourt? You're going to try and retail it. And they're just like, nobody wants it. It's got a 130 mile range. You know, the world's moved on. It goes straight to auction and straight into the system. So, you know, the technology is evolving so fast. I would say, you know, lease it for lease it for two, three years, maybe three years is some of the better deals. Um, and by which time there'll be a whole new world of tech. How does the tax credit work? on the lease so if you get a lease so like for example uh when we got the bmw at the time bmw could still claim these things and so it's just built into the lease it's baked into the lease my understanding is with ford the way ford is running it through their own kind of lease, pseudo leasing situation is that you have to claim it back on your tax return at the end of the year so you don't instantly get it get the money off you actually have to claim it back through your tax return, which is an extra layer hassle. And of course, you've got to, you've got to cash flow that period. So, you know, the, the simplest way of buying an electric car with the federal tax credit is just to lease it and bake the tax credit into the lease. And then you're done. Right. Okay. Well, I- basically, if, if, to, to cut it on a short, Matt, if, if the lease was 500 bucks 
and you get seven and a half thousand dollars tax credit, which the dealer deals with, then suddenly your lease is you know four hundred seventy bucks or something or whatever it may be. Right. Okay. I I, I agree that the over the air updates for something like this is going to be absolutely mandatory for all the car companies that are able to do this. This is going to end up going, listen, Corvette C8 has over the air updates for many of its things. And it's not an EV. It, like we're, we, we need to start to get into that, into that realm. Not to mention, uh, you know, we keep saying over the air updates in the terms of fixing a vehicle or, or something along those lines. But this is really a way for the car companies to make some extra money. Over-the-air updates could also be, and in the case of Ford, is going to be, uh, and I assume Tesla as well, it's going to be add-ons and upgrades and things like that. Like maybe you maybe you couldn't buy the performance model at the time. And, you know, a year into owning the car, you want added performance, and there's probably going to be something on your on your touchscreen or your iPhone, that's gonna you're gonna log into your account and go, hey, you know, for twelve hundred dollars, I can get I can get this performance upgrade and just hit the button and it's downloaded. You know, it's just you know, it's just or or like you said, or range or something. And I would imagine at some point, maybe even temporary things. You know, kind of like renting a movie. You know, downloading a rental movie where you'd be like, hey, I'm going on a road trip. Uh, you know, I I. I don't need all the performance. I I want some extra range. Maybe there's a you know for forty nine bucks I can I can download the temporary range extender. <laughs> you know, in yeah, the way of the, DTs, the performance. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, I, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of. It's, it's like an iPhone, isn't it? You know, you need a you know a surf report or something, and then you just pay your four dollars and you get a you get a new app. Yeah, there's going to be a version of that. Of course, I mean, in the world of Bronco and Mustang and, and Tesla and stuff, the apps probably going to be like buy the T-shirt and the hat and the you know, the, <laughs> the you know the all you know the the swag and stuff that you want. But there's going to be ways to to buy things now. One of the things on on Mach-E that I thought was was interesting, uh, impressive was instead of trying to go out there and run out and build their entire network like Tesla has attempted to do. Um, for charging, they went to all of the charging companies that are pretty much out there. There's two big ones, I guess, and, and that they really like. And they said, well, you know, you get the little scan card, a barcode, and you, you know, each charging station, you scan your card and how much money do you have in your account and do you need to load up extra money and you could charge. And now it's all in the Ford app that's on your phone. So when you're driving your Mach-E – you can subscribe to all of those charging stations and then just basically just use your Ford app and it's all one account, one billing, you know, one one barcode and you can go to anywhere and and charge it for, you know, for the non-free public stations, you know, the ones that you have to roll up again. So I thought that was kind of an interesting idea to get that support from those various companies. It is a good idea to sort of consolidate it. Um Having said that, I think there's about 13,000 charging points that the Mac-E can use across the U.S. But uh, but having said that, Tesla's supercharger network at the moment is still more comprehensive. And that is still a plus point for Tesla. There's no no question about it. Their, their fast charging network is more comprehensive. Um, it's more bespoke to the Teslas. You know, it's... Uh, it, that, that that I think that's a big part of why their market value is so high because they have that a lot of that infrastructure in place and it's growing all the time. But you're right, 
you know, it's only going to get better. But if you think about it, in the Mackey's case, every other electric car from every other brand bar Tesla is going to be using the same chargers, whereas Tesla's just dedicated to Tesla. Yeah, and you're right. And actually, a Tesla can use the other chargers as well. Yeah, you're right. I I do think that that contributes significantly to the to the value of Tesla's company and to their stock because they've done such a good job doing it. And then, you know, and then how they power it up and solar power and all the other things, because there's a whole nother argument as to when you're plugging it in, where's that power coming from? <laughs> and is, is it any cleaner than driving a, a gas engine car? Uh, that's a, probably a conversation for another time, but um, interesting thoughts on, uh, on, on Mach E. Um. Some of the other vehicles that you mentioned, uh, Kia Telluride, which I have not driven yet. I'm not sure why. Uh, I have to reach out to, to Kia. Um, but uh, there's the new SUV. What's the what's the Kia luxury brand? The the partner there is it? Is it Genesis? Uh, well, Kia, yeah, I mean Kia is part of the same group as Hyundai and, and Genesis. So G, GV80 would actually come into the luxury class against. Um, uh, GLE, Mercedes GLE, which won that. But Telluride just, it's one of these vehicles, it just comes along now and again where they just knock it out of the park. Um, and, you know, it's it's huge. It's super spacious. We have one on our long-term test program. It, it's super spacious. It's comfortable. It's refined. I, I, I mean, to, to put it into context, I went, I had, I went up to um, Mammoth for, for Thanksgiving and I had the choice of, basically taking an X5 or a Telluride. And in the end, I took the Telluride. And, and you know, it, it's crazy. You know, in, in days gone by, you would never have thought of that that choice. And, yes, the X, but the X5 is $80,000, and our Telluride, even in top spec, is about fifty. dollars uh, It's just a great vehicle. I think it's one of the best-looking SUVs out there. The interior quality is good. It rides well. It drives well. Yeah, I mean, I think they've knocked out. And, actually, what's interesting is it, it continues to sell. I mean, there was a... A significant period of time, and I think it's still the case where they were going. Akia was going over MSRP. I know dealers charging a premium is a is a massive pet hate of yours. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I, on a Mercedes Black Series, okay, but on a Kia Telluride, I mean, even the guys at Kia could barely believe it. Yeah, suckers. <laughs> uh, what's the uh, the Genesis SUV? Because you mentioned a good looking vehicle. Um, it was it was just announced in the past couple of months. Uh, I'm not sure where it's it's the beautiful red. Is it GV70? Yeah, GV GV70. There's there's the GV80, which is kind of like Mercedes GLE big, um, and then GV70 is kind of it's, Q5 it's, GL, GLC but, big. But it's announced and not really out yet, right? That's the one I'm thinking. Correct. Right. Yeah, correct. But it's it's a pretty little thing. I mean, you know, I think Genesis is on a real roll. They, they it looks good. The interior is nice. Yeah, I mean, it's a real con- it's a potential contender for next year for sure. You know, the the grill is like a little funky, but but the lines on that thing are are really nice. The, the, yeah. the back end of it and and the profile of that SUV is is gorgeous. How much of that is Telluride? I I'm I, I not not. Um, Almost none of it. Telluride's a lot bigger. I mean, there'll be shared, there'll probably be a few common components, but you know, Telluride is Telluride's massive. Telluride is kind of like GLE big, whereas you know, te- Telluride's a three-row, a big three-row SUV, and the footprint will be the footprint is practically probably even bigger than the GLE in terms of the footprint. Whereas the G, 
GV70 is more like Mercedes GLC big, so it's a sort of luxury compact. What, um, what about the difference between like Kia and then Hyundai and then Genesis or, or the Kia and the Genesis? I guess what I'm getting at is I've heard so many good things about Telluride, but was did they just get lucky on it? Did Telluride just work because it, the pieces fell together and it worked? Or is this the sign of good things for, for Kia? And then when you get to Genesis, is Genesis – saying, hey, I, I like the Telluride, but I want the nicer version, and and it's going to work better. It's going to be nicer, but still work. Was, is is the success of, of, of Telluride a fluke, or is that something we can expect and upscale to the Genesis brand? Well, interesting. Of course, if I, if I look at our winners, the, it wasn't just the Telluride. Kia also won with the K5 sedan which is a rival to the Honda Accord. And what they've successfully done is take what they did well with the Telluride and apply it to the K5. Now, what's interesting, what Kia as a Kia Hyundai, Kia as a, as a company did, all started years ago. They hired a guy called Peter Schreyer from, from Audi, who was a designer, and he started to institute really great design Then went on to run the company. Uh, at the moment, they just brought back a guy called Luke Donkervolker, who was, I, be, I can't remember, I think it was a Mercilago he designed for Lamborghini. And what they've done, and then they brought in uh, a chassis sheet, the chassis chief from chassis chassis chief <laughs> from uh, from BMW. And so what they what they've basically done as a as a company is go around the world and handpick some of the the best people in in the global industry from luxury brands, from luxury brands, and then empower them to do a job on on Kia, on Hyundai, on on um, on Genesis, and. You know, some of Hyundai's, uh, you know, Hyundai's design is also now getting more and more um, adventurous. But Kia seems to have just hit their sweet spot in terms of the picture. The brand is still is still seen as value. The quality is good, but they're executing some really great cars. Genesis had a bit of a slow start, but they were all really about sedans initially, and the market was moving to SUVs. It's a big year for them. GV80 looks good. GV70 looks good. You know, and suddenly it. You know, you, it's not rocket science, really. You look at the people behind it and you say, well, if you've brought in a chassis supremo who's developed a, a, a bunch of fantastic vehicles, as long as he's got a decent team around him, why couldn't he execute it for, for Kia? Same with the design. You know, as long as there's a good strength in depth in, in the organization, why shouldn't you, uh, you know, why shouldn't you achieve success? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like uh, somebody starting a new NFL franchise and having the money... To, to go around the teams and handpick, you know, yeah, we'll get Brady from here and then we'll get, you know, we'll get here, we'll get here and put it all together. Is it, is it really translating into sales for them as well? Yeah. I mean, they're doing, they're doing, I tell you, right. It's been a huge hit, you know, K5 would be interesting to see how well that does because the saloon market is, is not what it once was, but you know, they're still, it's still, it's still big numbers, hundreds and you know millions a year. sold. so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's in there. They're even talking about. I mean, new F one fifty when our uh, Edmunds top rated truck, but but you know, there's talk of Hyundai and Kia getting into the truck market as well. So, you know, there's a there's a lot going on. It's it's interesting times. Kia What's getting interesting, it. Matt. Sorry, one one finally, we were sitting down and um, sorry, I just to cut you off. I was getting excited for a moment. Well, one of the, one of the things we actually sat down and realised is when you look, we got two Mercedes, two Kias. A Tesla and a, a, a sorry, two Fords, two Mercedes, two Kias, a, a, a Tesla and a, and a Chevy. No Japanese brand. 
Yeah, uh, that is interesting. Which is the first time I think probably ever in you know in in, in, in these sort of things that there's no you know there's no Honda, there's no Toyota. It's uh, no Lexus. It's you know, and Lexus is yeah, kind we, of a benchmark for quality, reliability, quality for sure. And we, we you know we didn't actually we don't never think about it in those terms. We just judge it per 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 sector. But yeah, it's interesting. Sorry, and, and <laughs> no no BMWs on the list, and something like a three series has always been a staple at the top of, of, of those lists. So he's been a benchmark for, for car companies to say, we want a three series fighter. You're right. Yeah. And actually, you know, somebody's just said something on YouTube commentary and you know, YouTube comments on these awards. It's part of the fun of awards, isn't it? Getting mm-hmm. all the uh, debate going. Yeah. If you were, so what, what about BMW? And you know, the X5 is, I, I, I'm a big fan of the X5. I think the X5 is a, a really nice vehicle, uh, but the GLE just outpoints it. Um, the, and you know, X3 series, has been very successful. X3 has been X, raved about. X3, X3, again, is good. We, we prefer the GLC, but, but X3 is a, a good thing. 3 Series, we were a bit disappointed with. I mean, to be honest, the market, the world's kind of moved on a little bit. You know, I, I grew mm-hmm. up with things like the E30, E33 Series and things like that. But, you know, people are buying X3s now. They're not buying 3 Series. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting that uh, that – uh, I, I guess I haven't really paid as much attention to Kia or e- even Hyundai. For some reason, Kia seems to be getting more attention than Hyundai is. Um, Genesis, I've spent some time in, and I, I was a fan of the vehicles. I thought they were they were fantastic, and and they're you know the nice ones are are slowly climbing up in price and certainly doing uh, for the for their company what. The Japanese car manufacturers did when they all launched luxury brands. They had a, they kind of had to win people on price, and then slowly be able to increase the price to win them on quality and reputation and and all the other attributes. But and I think that's what Kia's done well in in the in the you know the more mainstream markets as well. People get into them, and then they like what they you know they like what they see, and uh, and and then they stay with the brand. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting. Let me tell you guys about Geico. Maybe you guys own your home or you rent your home. Well, either way, it can be a lot of hard work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because we already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Go get some Geico. Get some insurance when you go and lease your Mach-E. <laughs> um, I have Geico insurance, mate. You see, it works. Advertising works. <laughs> you were just telling me before. You're like, I actually just got new insurance. And it was Geico. You're like, I'm not sure yeah. why I thought of it. It's probably because we say it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> I just figured if I said it loud enough, would I get a discount? But. Probably yeah, not. that's a come on, Kai. Well, they you already said you bought it. <laughs> you should have uh, said you were shopping. You were shopping yeah, around. Yeah. You're going to go and get your quote in 15 minutes or less. See if they save you 15. percent Then then they'd be calling and going, uh, "You're good. To, we'll, we'll help you out." But uh, they know I, you're. Over I can still cancel. Um. All right. So the uh, you got videos for all of these things. All of these uh, lists are, are up at Edmunds.com. You guys can check it out there. Edmunds.com slash top rated. There you go. Edmunds.com slash top rated. 
it's also all over our YouTube channel. There's a little highlights film. Apologies that it's presented by me, but if you can cope with that, then it's uh, there's like a little 15 minutes wrap up film which talks you through the whole process. And uh, of course, we can reach out to you and debate you on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yes. we, we could we could figure out what's the difference between a luxury car and not a luxury car. Although I feel like we've covered it. Uh, you opened a can of worms on uh, on social media the other day, um, and uh, and and I'm sure you're getting into this. Um, you said something about autonomous driving or uh, something that 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 got people ooh excited. They got excited. Yeah, I can. I can. I, if I can grab my phone for a moment, I can. So at the moment, I think we've just. Where are we? Yeah, we, we've now passed ninety six. So Melanie and ninety six others like to tweet. You were mentioned in. What an upper class twit is Alistair Weaver of Edmonds. <laughs> Ford will beat Tesla to hands free driving. Tesla is already there. You dullard. <laughs> Ford isn't even in the game. Uh, so there you go. But, but it started with it started with what you were saying. Ford's going to be true hands free driving before Tesla, and then everyone yeah, the said Mackie, you're you're yes. twit. <laughs> I, I think they must be British. I love the up. I mean, a upper class. If yeah. you know anything about Britain, I am far from upper class, and I love the use of the word twit. I haven't heard, but he's. It's also because the Mac E has a system and, and the hardware's in there and the software's coming next year, which basically allows you to drive hands-free on about 100,000 miles of U.S. highway. You have to keep your eyes looking forward, but you can, you can relax your, your hands, which, of course, Tesla doesn't do. And I, I knew it'd be controversial, but it just shows the, the, the level of attention we're being. Yeah, and then people have like been hunting around through my like profile, like, oh, hang on a minute, he's released a Model Three for his family. Does that mean he's okay? And then suddenly, like the next minute, somebody's back in, no asshole, you know, and it's like <laughs> it's, off we go again. I don't know. It, it, it's part of it's part of the game, but sometimes it gets a bit. We're actually doing as a, as a sneak preview over uh, over the holiday season. We've done a just editing at the moment. We've done a film of where we read out all our our mean YouTube YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I don't want to do that. That would take forever to read all of them. Maybe we could pick a few. Let let me ask you yeah. about this 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 for lack of a better term, autonomous driving. I don't believe there's any real autonomous driving right now. But w- part of the confusion is what's being marketed. What what the car companies or the marketing people are telling you is is happening. Like what the feature is versus the reality of the feature. And and each car company sort of has their interpretation. Everybody's sort of heading toward the same goal. Let's call autonomous the goal. But uh, it's just various stages of cruise control effectively, right? It's like your foot's yeah. off, the, off the throttle, fine. Now your hands are or your, your, your eyes are or, or, or shouldn't. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So I think – What's happening is, is one, uh, I think you as someone who tests and has a team to do this can explain some of the differences between, let's say, Ford's version, Cadillac's version, Tesla's version, but different than what people think they have, right? Or, or you know, like it, it's not all the same. 
No, and uh, it, it's not. And there's a lot of nonsense talked about what's actually happening. The Ford systems actually it works alongside the GM system, which is basically where on certain highways you can take your hands off the wheel and the car will effectively drive itself, but then it's still monitoring you. So it's level, that it's called level three, but it basically means you have to be still be in control of the vehicle. Now, it, there, there's several it, cameras in the car for Ford, for example, that are all looking at you. And yeah. if you if you you know futz around in the back seat, you know start looking away. It's 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 not going to do it. It's shutting down, or it's going to yell at you, or it's going to do something. Yeah, all, all of those things. Big fists <laughs> will come out of the dashboard. It, it's um, yeah. So so it kind of watches you to make sure you keep your eyes on the road. You know the the, the Tesla system. Everybody makes a lot of noise about autopilot. Reality is autopilot is pretty much the same in terms of the way in terms of what it actually does for you as, as a driver to you know, familiar systems from BMW, Mercedes, Volvo, and pretty much everybody else in that it's a fancy version of automated cruise control. And then it puts steering inputs in to keep you in the, to keep you in the lane, but it's not autonomous driving in a true sense. And I mean, two or three years ago, I was kind of going to big seminars on this stuff. And it was like 10 years from now, cars will be driving yourself. That's all really reversed. A lot of people have been reversing out of a lot of those predictions pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. It feels that there's just too many hurdles to overcome. And the way it was put to me is, you know, 99% of the problems are easy to solve, but it's that last 1% that will take 99% of the time. And I think everybody's recognizing that it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult than you, than you think. And maybe on highways and things like that, where you've got a very structured environment, then we will have, you know, hands-free driving reasonably quickly. But I think it's a long time since we get on whatever Elon Musk say. I think it's a long time since, until we get, you know, reliable, safe, uh, you know, uh, tra- driving around city streets. And e- even if we get to that point, w- w- I I don't know that autonomous driving starts like full autonomous driving starts at the consumer level. It seems like it if it happens, it starts at the commercial level like autonomous driving semi trucks seems like you know or delivery trucks or or maybe even trickle down to some sort of you know ride share uber kind of thing going on but 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 in the everyday person version it it's it's an incredibly complicated thing and we don't even have the infrastructure to do it you know like when you're saying even ford system has to be on certain roads certain freeways certain sort of like uh, you know, s- certain events that are happening, you know, for the vehicle to make it work. Well, that caters to, you know, long distance shipping and semi trucks and things like that as well. Like that's where I would see uh, these, this autonomous driving probably happening first. I can't say for sure because all these companies are developing different things and they're going to go where the money is. But, you know, a company like Waymo, right? Like they've they're putting a lot of attention into into this. This is their entire business model. Um, I haven't been following them too much. I'm not exactly sure where they are with their technology or who they even predict their client to be. But I don't think it's going to be me. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think I, – I, and to be honest, for a lot of people, a system that allows you to get on the highway – flick this thing on and then just sit there in, you know, in nose to tail traffic all day on your commute or something. 
you know, even as, as enthusiasts, you and I, I'm sure, would be would be more than happy with that because, you know, and if you can do a few emails and just take the, you know, take the stress out of the commute, then great. Yeah. And then, you know, you can turn the systems off if, you, if you're heading up into the mountains and want to enjoy driving again. So, you know, I, it's all it's all coming in and the technology is getting better and better all, all the time. And I remember the early days of, all, you know, automatic cruise control and every time you went around a vague, a vague corner on a highway, then the thing would speed up because the sensors would, would would lose the car in front and things like that. So it's already got got so much better and, and it will just gradually evolve. But I really think we're 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 still a long way away from ha- from just basically being, you know, a car drives up to your front door, you get in and then, you know, you drive off again. Yeah. And we can't do that anyway because of COVID. <laughs> right now because of COVID. There's always something holding us back. Yeah. Um Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, all the good stuff. Looking forward to digging into those uh, to this uh, top list you guys have again. Um, before we wrap things up, uh, a word from our friends at Dodge. We talked about Dodge, meaning horsepower and muscle, and they're ranked number one for initial quality by JD Power. But well, JD Power is also named the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands as well. So that's number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. And with enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder that Dodge is scooping up these awards. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com for some more information. Do you have a top horsepower award? Is that a category that no. people are demanding? <laughs> ridiculously uh, 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 ridiculously uh, uh, over overstocked on horsepower and understocked on miles per gallon? <laughs> we could do like horsepower to traction ratio would be a good one. Yeah. In fact, I, I know we haven't got time to talk about it now, but we, we launched a film a couple of weeks back of the BMW M8 in a drag race against the GT500. Yeah. And that GD500, I love it to bits, but it, it has real problems with traction. And the MA, check out the video on the YouTube. The, the MA competition has less horsepower, but it does have all-wheel drive. And just the traction, I've never been in a car that launches like that. Just extraordinary how, how that thing launches. So the M8 is all-wheel drive. I didn't even, I, I feel like I knew that and just didn't didn't trigger with me that M8 would be. Oh, it's right. an M8, but you can also switch off, a bit like the M5, you can switch off the front. You can switch off the all-wheel drive bit and just leave it in rear-wheel drive for a drag. For either. So we actually tried that for the drag race to level the playing field, but, you know, I still won, uh, just saying. <laughs> um, but, well, but, yeah, you were well, driving the M8 is, because everybody thought you couldn't drive a GT500 from the, from the previous yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. And what absolutely delighted me, Carlos Largo did it with me, and I took all this abuse on the... Uh, on the last drag race about, you know, I can't drive. So anyway, Carlos can have that for a bit and then it'll be back to me, I'm sure. But <laughs> the, no, the M8, extraordinary. But having said that, the M8, $180,000, which is just nuts. Oh, one eighty. The M8. So it's a hundred grand more, literally a hundred grand more than GT500. But now this is, this is Porsche 911 Turbo S money. Nearly, yeah. Down Turbo S is probably just over two. It's definitely 911 Turbo money. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I don't think it's worth anywhere near that much, to be honest. Not for not for what it delivers. I don't think it delivers anything more than a Carrera S does, to be honest. But it's uh, 
it's very good at drag racing. So if you have 180 grand and you want a car that's very good for drag racing, <laughs> then get an M8 competition. Get an M8 competition. All right. But um, there's, your, there's, your, there's your holiday wishes. <laughs> it's funny, though, because uh, GT500, I don't care if you guys just beat that thing in drag race after drag race. The point is, is that car is fun. That car just makes noises and it goes all over the place. It slides all over and it is absolutely fun. Same way with like the way all the the, the crazy Dodge, you know, Hellcats and stuff are. They're they're over the top. They're ridiculous, but but they're fun. And when you get into Porsche and you get into BMW, like they have to put all that performance and then the refinement and and everything else that needs to be in it. And it's good and it works. But there's something about the version that is not refined <laughs> that uh is kind of fun I, I i'm absolutely with you and that's the but what, what's wonderful about the gt500 is it has kind of it is really raw and aggressive and it you know it struggles for traction off the line all sorts of things but actually the handling is really good and you can slide that thing around with impunity and and so it's this wonderful blend of something that's a bit lunatic has too much power for its own good but at the same time, is is a bit of a pussycat to drive, and and the fact that seven hundred and sixty horsepower is so controllable, mm-hmm. and you know we did the film earlier in the year, and I turned all the stability control off and everything was actually able to drift it around and talk to camera, and I'm not, you know, I don't pretend to be Lewis Hamilton, so you know the fact that you can do all that and and have so much fun with it, and it's so responsive and so predictable and controllable, I, I think it's an awesome thing. I really do. You know, it's 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 more for me, it's more fun than the C8 Corvette even if the Corvette all round, you'd say is a, is a better car. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, check out Edmunds.com. You can follow Alistair. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter and he's Weaver on cars on Instagram. So follow him there and, uh, tell him how much, uh, tell him how much you love him. And, uh, he needs that this one. week. <laughs> he needs that this week. <laughs> Tell him how much you love him and how much you love him on CarCast. But uh, we always love it when you're on the show. We always appreciate it. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thank you, Matt. And happy holidays to everybody. Happy yeah. holidays and, and to you, you as well. We'll have you back on and, and we'll do it again. We'll just do it in January when we're back and we'll see what's what's going on, what's new with you guys and what we have to look for for 2021. More cars, more debuts, more fun stuff, more testing. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be some things that we're all going to be excited for in 2021. Yeah, right. (laughs) Going outside. (laughs) You moved to California for the the tan. And uh, after leaving uh, 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 England, and and you can't go outside. You can't do anything. You have to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just have half a ton now. <laughs> right? Just just on the forehead, not even around the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Guys, thanks for listening. Always appreciate it when uh, Alistair's on the show. Love him. 
Uh, before we wrap up, a word from our friends at Geico. We talked about it before. You guys may own your home or you rent your home. It could be a lot of work, a lot of stuff going on over there. You know what's easy, though? It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just visit Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.